All right, well, we just had a little bit of fun to start out this series, and we kind of have a little bit more fun in here. And uh, I want to, like, take a pause because I feel like God has just prompted my spirit to do this. But many of you guys have been alone. Hopefully, you've been praying for the ladies this weekend on the retreat. And uh, God, just be with them and whatever's going on. But I just want to say thank you to my oldest. Um, she has just been tremendous and a tremendous help. And I always <laughs> say to her, hey, you don't need to help. You don't need to help. We got this. And she said this weekend in a little bit of an argument, um, dad, I can help. I want to help. It's my heart's desire. And so we, I like seceded and she was a huge help. And so I love her. And I just want to say I'm proud of her and I don't say it enough. So I just want to say thank you. Hey, seven kids is not easy. And so it was good to have some help, you know, except when she was in her hair this morning. Anyway, um, she did all the girls' hair. So like, I don't have any hair. So um, I don't know how to do hair. But anyway, so we're going to talk about friends. We're going to take a journey through three friendships through the Bible. The first, we're going to go to the Old Testament, and we are going to look at Jonathan and David. Can you say Jonathan? He's the man of the day, okay? So just get ready. The second, next week, we're going to look at Paul and Barnabas. And then the week after, we're going to look at the tremendous fact that Jesus Christ is our friend, that we have a friend in God. And so we're going to look at that, and that'll be the same Sunday that we do communion. But I want to say two things just as a preface to this, um, because I think we can get this confused. And if you were at the marriage retreat or marriage time that we had together, you would say, wait, pastor, this sounds like contradictory. But here, here's what I want to say about friendship. It doesn't trump your marriage. Like, your greatest friend, so my greatest friend is Ashley. Like, she's gone and I miss her. You know what I mean? Like, it just is the truth. She's my greatest friend. And so, a lot of what I'm going to say, it doesn't trump the person that you're connected to, that, that you decided before God to get connected to. Unless, are you with me? Say unless. Unless you've got a friend speaking into you because you're in a genuinely bad situation. Okay? Or you're in a situation that isn't healthy or isn't good, and you've got a Christian friend who's saying to you, hey, I'm here, I'm willing to. And so if that's the case you're in, then don't, don't believe what I just first said, okay? But today we're going to talk about friendship. And honestly, let's just be real. Friendship can be hard. It can be difficult. In fact, I feel like with a lot of kids and stuff, friendship changes. It's hard to have friends because like, hey, do you want to? And it's like, well, I can't, you know, and life just kind of changes. But I want to just throw out some statements and I want you to, and I'm being serious, church, and this is the only way that you can really learn and gain from these weeks. And that is you've got to think about it in a personal sense. And so I'm going to ask you some questions and I want you to think about it personally today. Have you ever had someone that really believed in you? Come on now, think about it. Have you ever had somebody that, that didn't have to? That it wasn't something like they weren't related, but they like believed in you. I had people like that in, in my life growing up, just a few, that really believed in what God saw. And they really spoke into that. And it took me a long time to believe that. I want you to think about this. Did you ever have a friend that like saw things that you couldn't see? like good things, futuristic things, things that like you just had a hard time because you were living in it. And so you had a hard time seeing that. And yet that friend who loved you so much spoke that over you. You ever have a friend that saw potential in you that, that you don't see in you? There's often times where Ashley says to me, hey, th there's more for you. There, you've got more potential. You've got 
And I had people like that in the past who, who saw the potential that I couldn't see, who saw when I was beaten down what I couldn't see in those moments. Have you ever had people like that? Or maybe today, let, let's just be honest, right? Maybe today your heart's desire or your heart's prayer is that you would have a friend like that. Maybe you don't have a friend like that. Maybe you really are like trucking along on your own. And if you're in that spot, that's a hard spot. But maybe after these next three weeks, the people that are sitting around you, the people that you worship with each week, maybe, maybe they'll feel a challenge in their hearts to step in and to be that. Friendship, it can be beautiful. But here's the challenge today, church. Friendship should be best seen in the life of the church. Pe people should come here and see friendship and say, that, that's what it looks like. That, that's what I've been longing for. That, that's what it means to have a, a friend. And so church, I hope in the next couple of weeks you can see this challenge. The church should be full of people edifying each other. And I don't mean for selfish gain, or, but like really seeing the heart of people and encouraging each other. The church should be full of friends <laughs> lifting each other up, walking through the hard days, the easy days, the fun days. I want to give you a quote. I kind of, I, I read a lot of C.S. Lewis and honestly just over and over again. And uh, one of his quotes is, friendship is unnecessary, right? Like philosophy, like art, it has no value or no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which gives value to survival. And church, I feel like good Christian, godly friends bring a lot of value, bring a lot of value to our lives. And so this week, and if I were really, I mean, you may be a theologian, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably the most beautiful description of friendship comes from the friendship that Jonathan and David have for each other. In fact, if you look all through Scripture, you're not going to find similar text. You're not going to find similar text in the way in which it's written and in the way in which Jonathan expresses his love for David. And so today, I really want you to hold on to his words and what he says and where his heart is. And so if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 18 all the way back in the Old Testament. Um, we're going to be in 18 verses 1 through 5. You'll see that David has just come out of battle and, and here's this moment where um, Jonathan is seeing David and, and kind of hearing his heart and Jonathan sees something bigger in David. And so if you got your Bibles or you don't, want you stand for the reading of God's Word, stretch a little bit, look to your neighbor and say, hey, I want to be your friend. All right, hopefully they already are, right? You're sitting next to each other. Okay, starting in verse 1. And remember, this is David finishing. As soon as David had finished speaking to Saul, think about these words. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let David return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword. And then Jonathan gave him his bow 
and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. God, today, God, I feel like you have just given me a word that is so important for the day and age that we live in. And so right now, I'm just gonna pray in agreement with everyone here that you would alleviate the enemy's pressure, power from our lives right now. We pray that you would cast him out. We pray that you would continue to put a hedge of protection around this place. And God, let your spirit move in this time. God, I pray that you would just open up our eyes, open up our hearts, open up our minds to this. Let us see the heart. Let us see the heart. Let us see the the humility that is found in the life of Jonathan. And God, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so most of the day we're gonna be talking about Jonathan. Can you say Jonathan? Yes, okay, can you say he's the man? Oh, y'all aren't very convincing. Okay, at the end of the day, you're gonna see why he is the man of the day. Um, First of all, Just to give you some backstory, um, King Saul, which is his father, okay, was the first king of God's people. Now, if you remember the progression of the Old Testament, this is kind of a new thing. And so here you've got this new king, King Saul, and honestly, church, he wasn't a good king. In fact, as his life goes on, instead of like growing in grace, instead of like growing in humility, instead of like growing in Christ, he actually goes the opposite direction. He loses his faith, his heart. In fact, in Scripture, it actually says that the Spirit of God moved off of Saul. Church, he was going in a direction that God couldn't go. Sometimes we go in directions that God can't go. And we wonder why things happen. Well, it's because we're in a direction God isn't. And he's waiting for us to, and Saul never, and he's got this son. So let's, let's quiz for a minute, okay? If, if King Saul has a son and King Saul is the first king of God's people, then S- Jonathan would be the prince. Okay, wow, you all got that, okay? First king, he had a first son, and that would be what? A prince. Wouldn't it be so cool? Like, not in this day, because in this day you had to, like, fight, deal with a lot of drama. But in this day, it'd be cool to be born into, like, you know, King Charles and all that. It, wouldn't that be like, you, you basically are birthed a millionaire. You ever, you ever think about that? They're birthed with a minimum of like 17 million, a bunch of houses. They're taught how to like go places and care about people and like show up at some events and like say, hey, we're here to like help you not for profit. And then they, they go back and their children are with their nannies. And you know what I'm saying? Like they just kind of are birthed into that. That'd be kind of nice, right? Come on now. You know, if you went home today and the nanny just took care of your children while you napped, you'd be like, yes, okay, come on. Right, 17 million in the bank, and then you know you get ostracized, and you make millions off the book of you being, and then you sit down with Oprah. I mean, come on now, right? It's not like that bad, okay? I'm sorry, maybe they have it rough. We just don't know it, but it seems from the outside looking in to be pretty good. But that wasn't the case here. That was, in, in fact, if you look at Scripture, Jonathan was an incredible man. He was next in line. He he was the prince. He was also a mighty warrior. We often kind of downgrade all of the warriors of Israel because David kind of stepped in and took care of Goliath. But if you look at Scripture, Jonathan and just his armor bearer took out 20 of the greatest men that the Philistines had, meaning he was like a great warrior too. And, And so he and his armor bearer took out 20 men, and I'm pretty sure most of us couldn't what? Like take out the best army men that are out there and 20 of them at that. And yet he did that. 
We also know um, that he was of the family of the tribe of Benjamin. And if you know kind of the tribe structure and know the past of those, the tribe of Benjamin, they were heroes and they were warriors. So he came from a line of heroes and warriors. What's interesting too, and this is just a side note and something you should know about Jonathan, his dad was not a good dude. And so, okay, his family and his history, they were warriors and they were heroes. But his dad honestly didn't live out God's plan. His dad wasn't like all that great. And what's crazy is Jonathan lived past that. Church, how many of you have had to look at examples that that were given to you and, and rise above those? And Jonathan rose above that and he said, you know what, that isn't my story and I'm not gonna continue that and I'm not gonna live in that and that's not gonna be who I am. So church, like all the way back in the Old Testament, we've got people living for God who rose above what was handed to them. Jonathan rose above. Jonathan said, no, I'm not gonna live out the attitude. I'm not gonna live out the selfishness that my dad, that my dad's living out. He rose above. He was faithful to God. We're gonna talk in a little bit. I mean, he has just really been faithful in fact, the only weakness that's really mentioned in the Bible about Jonathan, and you could say, well, you know, maybe not everything's recorded, but overall, like Jonathan, if you read it, is like a stellar dude. But you know, there's one time where King Saul, remember he got really mad at David and wanted to kill him because he could see David was rising up. And so he, he went to Jonathan and said, hey, where's, where is he? I want him. Jonathan kind of skirted around the truth, if you remember how that goes. And so that's probably the only moment where we see Jonathan kind of step aside from like fully being, right, righteous. Now, I want to just challenge you with something here. And I want to put a but in this, okay? And I want you to imagine yourself in his shoes for a second. When you really think about it, he had every reason and every right, but let's say it this way, every birthright to be mad at David. Jonathan actually was like justified to be mad. He was like the, the born prince. He was the one that was supposed to, he was the one that like had the right to the throne. Honestly, most of us would be what? Probably upset and probably a little jealous. Let's take it to like right here terms, okay? If you've ever been passed over at some point in your life when you have felt like it was yours, think about what rose up in you in those moments. Anger, jealousy, you're upset. I can't believe I didn't. I've worked so hard for, why didn't they? When are they going to? Why is it always me? I don't like that. I mean, come on now, we've all been there at some point. If you've lived a little bit of life, you've been passed over. And yet what's crazy, and theologians tell us this, in this kind of first verse, when he's watching David, he recognizes that the anointing isn't his, but that it's on David. David is to be the new king. And there's something about his heart there's something about the way that he handles it. There's something about even his actions after that that speak to us today. 
that in fact are very relatable to us today. In fact, it shows us how incredibly connected he was to God as well. So when it comes to friendship, when it comes to really living out God's plan, there's three things that I want you to see that I want you to understand about Jonathan's life concerning friendship. The first thing is this. He saw. Can you say he saw? Not like saw the movie, but he saw. You know what I mean? Sorry, I get... Do you ever have it like where YouTube or you turn on your TV and like Saul is right there all the month of, of... What is it? We in October, now we're in November. Anyway, that was totally off. But he saw. Let me help you under, understand this for a minute. Jonathan saw with the eyes of God. Jonathan saw with the eyes of God. Now, let, let me give you an example of this and, and what I mean. There was something in Jonathan that saw David, and he saw the anointing on David, and all of a sudden, everything he had, he put into making sure that God's plan in David came to be. Imagine this. Let's just be, let's be honest. Imagine if the last hundred years in the life of every church, every person in that church was looking and, and, and seeking and trying to find the movement of God in other people. And when they saw it, they went and... Let me tell you what it really looks like. Two people, two pastors saying, I really, I see something in you. There's something about you. I, I believe that God has an anointing. And then years down the road, right, puberty comes and all that stuff happens and you have all these voices in the world. And there's this small voice of two pastors and you know what a person says? Kind of give you in real life, but I'm not saying my name. I say, you know, they were pastors, so they're supposed to say, so I'm going to not listen to because nobody else is, and so I'm just going to, you know my voice, Pastor Joey's voice, Pastor Mark's voice, Lily's voice, I mean, whoever carried, that's not enough. Because you know what the enemy's going to do in the life of our young people? When they get to that stage, they're going to say, well, it's just the pastor. Well, the pastor is supposed to well, that's their job. Well, that's their, because we're sitting around so comfortable in our lives that we're not looking at our young people that need to hear us say, you know what, I see something in you. I see more in you. I see Jonathan stood in that room and something came over him in such a tremendous way that everything changed for him because he saw the move of God on the life of David how often are we as good, godly, Christian people seeing the move of God in other people and then stepping in and speaking into that? Church, I think if we were doing that the last hundred years, church would look different. The riots that are happening right now, the hate that is rising up, the things that are saying genocide is okay, it wouldn't be happening. You know why? Because we would cross. You know, you know what that means? We would cross. We would cross age. We would cross generations, races, ethnicities, faith. Imagine if just in here, right, all of you started just seeing things and, and, and edifying and lifting up and how it would change. But see, it took Jonathan, it took Jonathan a moment to say, wait a minute, God is doing something in him. So much so that he said, my soul is knit to yours. Now we're going to get to that significance in a little bit here, but are you able to see what God sees in others? Or are you so wrapped up in you that you can't see others? And if you're so wrapped up in you that you can't see others, then start unwrapping you. 
Start unwrapping what's keeping you wrapped up that you can't. Because church, if you don't, who will? Because I'm pretty sure every young person in here, when they go out the door, the people they're around aren't going to say, hey, God's got, it's our job. Jonathan took it on as his call to see David's call come to be. Who, who are you speaking into that you can see that God is saying, it's a huge ask. It's a huge ask. But he saw. He saw God at work. And man, he dropped everything and said, so what's the second thing he did? Well, technically he gave up, but I'm going to say today he gave. Can you say he gave? Okay. Let's talk about this. What did he give up? Well, he stripped his robe. We're going to talk about that in a second. He gave his sword, his armor, his bow, and his belt. Okay, so what's the significance of this? And I want you to stay with me, church. This is like so theological, and it relates not only to the past, but it relates to the present, and it related to Jesus, okay? The robe. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament, the priests, they had some garb, okay? Let's just say, I think I got garb. But a priestly garb would have had what in it? gold, silver, knit together. It was very specific. In fact, like if you were walking in a distance and a priest was coming, even if you didn't see their face, you would know they're a priest because of their robe, okay? Now, let's just think about that even further, okay? Let's think about a prince. Now, a prince in that day wouldn't have just gotten any robe, right? They would have had a princely robe. They would have had specific clothing, And what's tremendous here is that this is happening in the courts, which means he would have been clothed with the robe for the prince. So if he was walking down the streets of Anderson, you would know, right, that it was the prince because of his robe. And so even if he was in the distance, you might not see his face, but as the outline of the robe came to be, you would notice. Now let's fast forward. What did Jesus do? He says in Scripture and tells us that he clothes us And so Jonathan decided, this is huge. This is actually foreshadowing to what Jesus does to you. See, Jesus clothes you. And so Jonathan took the prince. What's Jesus? The prince of peace. What's Jesus? The king of kings, the lord of lords. And so the prince of the very first king. Come on now, God, are you all with me? This is huge. He takes it off. And he says, here it is. Jesus stepped from heaven and took off the glory took off the, and came to be so that he could clothe us and call us princes and princesses. Church, he was already telling us what he was going to come and do. He was already showing us through Jonathan, through this humble man. And so Jonathan took off what identified him as the prince and said, here, you can identify interesting right because like the first battle it's like Jonathan's over here in like secondhand clothing and and there's David and people are like wait weren't you and oh you you know it's funny when when you are clothed with the presence of Jesus and people that that didn't realize and all of a sudden they're saying what happened to you well you know I had a friend at church who saw me I had a friend who saw beyond what everybody sees and began to speak into me and then all of a sudden (laughs) I, I began to be clothed I began to be clothed with Jesus and with his presence and, and his glory and his kindness and his, and so yeah, what you're seeing is different than what used to be. He also, I, you just gotta like think realistically, okay, this is much different than today. 
You, you wouldn't like protect the president with like something you bought at the pawn shop, right? I mean, let's just be honest. They wouldn't go over in Anderson and say, hey, let's get some weapons and that's how we'll protect the president. No. It would have been the best of the best that he would have worn in the court and he took it off. Now, you know what's so significant? Guess whose garb David wouldn't take before? King Saul's. Do you know why people say it's just because it didn't fit? No, it was deeper than that. When you translate it, it like didn't fit. Meaning Saul's heart and David's heart, they didn't fit. And so he said no, and guess what he didn't say to Jonathan? He didn't say no. You know why? Because at the time they what? They fit. Now David was young. Jonathan was probably 10 to 15 years older at this time. And so it isn't about fit, church. It was about fit. Their hearts, they fit. They knit. They were. And so he received the protection. He received the best that the armory had. And he took it on. And Jonathan stepped aside. And gave all that, all that identified him as who he was and said, here. Talk about Friendship. How much are you willing to give? We've had a couple of friends as, as couples over the years. One would be Miss D, Miss Deb, but thinking about Miss D, um, she was a lady at Nacogdoches, and it's like our hearts were knit together when we met. We journeyed with her through the death of her husband, and, and then um, she just journeyed with us and was always there, and she just had a way. She had a way, and oftentimes she had a way in the very most inconvenient times for her she had a way of hearing from God and stepping in. And my girls still say, when are we going to call Miss D? You know why? Because my girls watched her step in when it wasn't convenient, when it wasn't easy. But yet she stepped in and she gave of her time, gave of her money, gave of like, I could, I could run down the list. Why? Because she saw something. And why did we give to her? because we saw something, and I don't mean financially, but like there was just something there. And it was like when she was going through something, I just knew. And when we were going through something, it was like she just showed up. I'm like, how did you know? We don't tell anybody our personal stuff. I just knew. Church, the church should be knit together with people like that all around this room, the room before and the room before. Because see, church, the battle that we're called to to see lives changed in a world that's really going in the opposite direction. If we're not knit together here, then how? And if we're not willing to give, then how? Because you know what? Sometimes friendship does call us to drop and to step. Are you willing to give? The third thing is there's got to be a root in all this, right? He loved. <laughs> he loved. I mean, it's simple, right? In basic, there's a pattern very much. I didn't get much out of that. Well, he loved. Scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself. And my goodness, if anybody did that, he did it. He lived it. Jonathan humbly submitted himself to the will of God and stepped into a lifelong friendship that started then and ended at death. He didn't push his own way. He didn't get mad. He had a great love for the Father and a great love for his friend David. Now, true love can only come from humility. 
And a great battle in our lives is to remain humble, right? I mean, it's easy for self to rise up. It's easy for us to say, you know what? I don't want to step in right now. I don't have the time. I don't, I don't, I don't. Every I don't is a missed opportunity. Every I don't, when the Lord prompts, is a moment for the enemy to come in and just plant a thought, move the move. Jonathan's love for David emulated the love that Christ has for us. So I'm going to take this in two closing directions. Many of us would say, well, my goodness, like, what did Jonathan have left? He laid everything down. He loved David with all he had. He risked everything for David. He was, like, knit together with him, and, like, who he was is no longer who he was. And, and what's crazy is that's not how Jonathan was. Just because that princely plan didn't work out didn't mean that Jonathan stepped aside and said, well, now I'm nothing. Actually, Jonathan continued to be a great warrior, a great man of God. Like, he continued to serve God. He continued to be faithful. He continued to do good, speak truth. In fact, uh, one of the challenges, there was an outpost, and, and that outpost was against the people of God. And you'll see if you read Scripture that Jonathan did not tell his father because his father would have said, no way. See, sometimes when we're moving for Christ, there's people we have to avoid. I'm just being honest. There's been people in my life, if I had said, hey, I'm doing this for God, they would have said, now let's be practical. Let's think, in fact, it's in the church too, right? We're gonna do bold things and everybody says, let's be practical. And God says, no, I'm not a God of practical. If churches would just rebuke practical and get over it, I believe we could move in such mighty ways, but we just, we get practical. Well, he decided to avoid his dad because his dad was kind of a chicken in a lot of ways and got more chicken as time went on, and so he just went anyway. And, and here's what he said, and this is what I'm saying, like just because you're seeing in other people, just because you're giving up for other people doesn't mean you become nothing. He, he says this, and I feel like Jonathan has not just a survival mode, but a, like, thrive mode. See, I think too often in our Christianity, we're, we're just surviving. We're just, we're just making it. And God's saying, why are you just making it? I want you to thrive. I want you to live like Jonathan. He says this about this, this battle. This is a quote. Perhaps. Church, perhaps. What does perhaps mean? Just think in your head, what does it mean? Maybe or maybe not, right? It might happen, it might happen. Here's what he's saying. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. He's going for it anyway and says, well, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. Come on now, church. Imagine that kind of faith. Imagine living out, so wait a minute. He gave everything up, stepped aside, let the new king clothe him, gave him everything, and yet he's still... He says two words that I can't believe, perhaps and nothing. Perhaps God will move, but it doesn't matter. God's called me to it, I'm gonna do it. But nothing will hinder my God. Imagine if Hobby Lobby would start doing this, right? Come on now, right? Put it, put it on your walls, put it on your, like when you get up in the morning and you lift your head and that, that's your footboard. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. I'm going forth. He believed that God would be with them and give them victory. He knew that all things were through God's power. So in death or life, he was going to serve God. And then, I want, I'm going to just say a statement. Our view of God is directly correlated to the steps of faith we take. The steps of faith that you're willing to take 
in investing in other people shows the extent of your faith. Christian friendship is held together uniquely, and that is, is that it's different than the world. It's held together by a common bond, Jesus Christ, a defense, the Spirit of God, and a plan that he gives us that he's knit together before you ever even knew it. And we always say he knit, he knit me together, and what a beautiful thing that is. But he actually didn't just knit me together for me. He knit me together for you, and you for me, and you for to edify, to build up, to encourage, to strengthen, to be there, to love, to have fun, to enjoy, to be that tight bond that when you go out and begin to really be the people of God and provide the message of God to others, that you can come back and know. So, are churches and Christian people really living this out? What's crazy, it's not, a, it's not a new concept. Jonathan's from the Old Testament, like way back. Maybe not way, way back, but like way back from the beginning of the, the kingship. And so he got it. Do you get it? I've contemplated, I didn't do it. You know, sickness and COVID, and like, I'm kind of like tired of being sick. And so I thought, you know, back in the day, you'd shake hands and do all that kind of stuff. And like, um, not that in that one or two minutes you had enough time to get to know somebody. But church, isn't it time for us to get to know each other? To encourage each other? To see what God sees? To give in the way that God gives? And to love in the way that God loves us? Jonathan did it. And not only did Jonathan do it, but he stepped aside from like an incredible life and guess what? All theologians on all sides actually say that Jonathan would have been a good king. He, he lived into years that, that the way he lived, he would have been a great king. He was loving, he was kind, he was victorious, he was, he was a champion, he was a hard worker, he was faithful. He, he would have made a, a great king. You know, sometimes we have to give up things that maybe we would have been great at so we can see Maybe me releasing over the weekend a little bit of like power to my daughter so that she could be a part. Maybe that's what we need to be doing. Church, we should be the example to the world of friendship. And not only a friendship, but like humility in friendship. I don't know. I'm just going to say this at the end, but if you're not watching the news, don't. But if you are... Church, hate is like rising up. People are saying things like, if genocide has a reason, then it's okay. 20 years ago, we would have never said that, but we're saying it now. And why is that? I'm not sure that the church has done its part in speaking into that. Because think about church. Just look around here. If you would start investing in each other, you know what we could breach? We could breach ethnicities. We could breach backgrounds. We could breach socioeconomic status. We could breach so many things. If we would just start, and then if we would start, man, church, don't just run out of here anymore. Look around. People need you. They need to hear from you. And you know what? 
You need to hear from them. And I don't mean in like a convicting, in a, I had people, one or two, that said, Joe, I think there's, and you know what some would say, well, you're not a good pastor, and that's fine. That's your opinion. I don't think I am either. So, but the bottom line is I, I know that I'm called. And so for years I ran from that, but I couldn't get past the mind. But you know what I said every time? But they're pastors. Like, aren't they supposed to say that to every youth? And for years I struggled with that. But imagine if 15 of you saw something and the names are right over there and you started just like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna, I know I'm old, but I'm gonna be your friend. Because you know what friendship should also, it should span generations. Jonathan was not David's age. David was young. Jonathan was in his 40s. Come on now, church. Breach the barriers that the world says we should have. Get past it and start getting into what God sees. God, I love you. I am personally challenged by the events of this part of history. I'm challenged by Jonathan's willingness to just drop it all. I'm also challenged that it's very similar to what Jesus did when he left glory to come down and be with us and clothe us and make an avenue for us and make a way for the Spirit to come and freely be with each and every one of us. And so today, Lord, let us take this challenge. Let us become a better example of what it means to be sacrificial friends. God, we love you, we praise you, and God, we pray against the enemy. The enemy is rising up, and in the name of Jesus, we're gonna rise up, and we're gonna rise up with you, and we're gonna rise up in your strength and your power that's provided from the Spirit. And so today, Lord, I just pray that we would be the people of God that you've called us to be. We love you, we praise you, we pray for each person in here. Be with them, be with the ladies as they drive back. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for being here. Join us Saturday for the chili cook-off.